Well, good morning, Hope. It's good to be uh, be here uh, this morning. Good to be with uh, Pastor Heather. Uh, Heather and I have uh, been working at um, Hope for over 15 years. We have. And we have never preached together. We haven't. Just like last week, Dave and I have never preached together. It's the first time you and I have ever yep. preached together as it well. Uh, also, a little factoid, together, Heather and I, we think, hold the record for the most job description changes in our tenures. Uh, without a doubt. Yeah, there's not a, there's not a doubt in my mind. Yeah, in fact, my kids have even given up. Um, when people ask them what their mom does, they're just like, she works at a church. Yeah, there like, you go. <laughs> they don't even try anymore, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm excited about our series. and uh, I am, I am. I'm excited to be here talking about prayer. We have been talking about it for the past few weeks. Um, we started out talking about roadblocks and um, the fact that there are some times where we just don't know how to start the prayer or we, um, we, we feel like we're too busy to pray, or maybe sometimes we feel like God doesn't hear us. And, and so we talked about some ways to push through that and to just do it. And, and last week you spoke about, um, about recognizing that when we are praying to God, God is changing our hearts yeah. and that in lifting these prayers, these anxieties, these fears, these worries, that we are actually um, asking God to come in and do a mighty work within us. Yeah. And so this morning we're going to continue that series. Uh, yeah. We're going to look at an Old Testament story. Uh, actually, it's a uh, the person of Nehemiah, and the book is called Nehemiah, and uh, in it we're going to see that how his prayer, uh, how his prayer practices led to changing his world, literally changing his world. And so we're going to look briefly only at the first three chapters of that book, but it is really a great story. If you've never read it, uh, you can find it in the Old Testament, and uh, just encourage you to read through it. Uh, some quick background on the story is that Israel has been in captivity in Babylon. The Babylonian Empire has taken over uh, the whole region and took some of those who were in Israel, in Jerusalem, and taken them back as captives. And uh, after many years, the Babylonians allowed some of these people to return to Jerusalem. Now, Nehemiah, the main character in the story, was born in Babylon. He's never seen Israel. He's never seen Jerusalem. And he serves the king of Babylon. He actually has a very important position in government. Uh, it's a very high position, which gave him access to the king on a daily basis. He was very influential, likely had a lot of political influence as well. Uh, so he is a man who has status and wealth that would go along with a position such as that. He quite literally is living as a king. And so while he's living in the palace, uh, serving the king, he receives news from someone who has been to Jerusalem recently. And Nehemiah hears that Jerusalem is in ruins. The messenger actually says to him, things are not going well. Uh, it's a large macro problem. The city, the whole, imagine a whole city in ruins. And then he goes on specifically tells Nehemiah that the city walls have been destroyed. And that would be important because those people who have returned to the city now have no defense system. There's no way for them to protect themselves from anyone who might attack. And so this is not a quick or easy uh, uh, fix to a, to a real big problem. I think that's really easily relatable to our current world, right? Uh, um, not much seems to be going well in our world, right? 2020 seems a mess. Uh, things are not going well. And so uh, I really think this story connects so well to where we are at today. So we're going to read some scripture. It's going to be up on the screen. Nehemiah is telling the story himself, and he says this. When I heard this, and he's talking about the news that the man that, that was delivered to him. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, 
For days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. And then Nehemiah says, Then I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands, listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for the people Israel. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands and decrees and regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. I find it so fascinating that Nehemiah's first response to the news was he wept, he mourned, he fasted, and he prayed. But it leads me to ask this question, why was his response so emotional and so strong? I mean, I mean this is a real visceral reaction, uh, reaction to weep and mourn and fast and pray for days. And then I had this thought, while Nehemiah has been living in the palace of a king, his people and his country is in ruins. You know, it's that adage, no news is good news, doesn't apply in this circumstance. Nehemiah has been living in the king's palace, unaware possibly of all that's going on in Jerusalem, or aware but choosing not to see it for what was really going on. And really what I see this connection is to our current circumstance. I recognize that the world has really paid off quite well for me, quite well for us, right? Many of us can say that things have been or had been going well, right? When 2020 began, we were experiencing a level of security and status and comfort and wealth, and then COVID happened, right? <laughs> March happened, and we felt fear and confusion and then uh, even a little bit of hopelessness. And then we watched the summer take place, and we had this unthinkable brutality of injustices happening all around us. And then we, to be most honest, we naively believed that it wasn't possible as we witnessed blatant racism and even heard racist speech from some even who are close to us. And we've seen division and fear and animosity and anger and all that had once seemed really secure, all that had seemed good in the world, suddenly became overwhelming. Uh, I was reminded, uh, Heather and I were just talking earlier, that yesterday was 9-11, and uh, all of us I saw on social media were remembering where we were in that moment, right? And, and we all have that story of where we were because that date marked our lives, and, and it will for the rest of our lives. Uh, I... I I have no doubt that 2020 is going to be one of those moments that marks our lives as well. And so like Nehemiah, things are not going well. And like Nehemiah, we, um, we find ourselves in this position where if we're most honest, we can do something. That we have an opportunity. But what do we do in the face of these giant problems, these enormous situations, when it seems like we want to ask the question, what difference can I even make? Does it even matter if the problem is so big? It is big. It's huge. And Nehemiah faced a huge problem. And so I think the, the most important thing we can do is take his example yeah. and, and mm -hmm. pray. Mm -hmm. You know, we need, we need to make that 
the something that we're doing about it to start is yeah, to pray. And before Nehemiah even uh, made any decision, before Nehemiah took any action, I know Heather, you're going to talk about this in a moment, but, but just as a, a recap from last week again, is uh, we've said that prayer is our first response. It's not our last, yeah. last resort. And the first thing we see that Nehemiah does is he prays. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, and we're going to actually um, walk through and see how God uses this time of prayer and uh, really moves Nehemiah's heart and puts him in motion, you you know, mm -hmm. and that's really what prayer uh, is doing for him and what it can do for us as well. And so uh, let's pick up the story right here, and we're going to read the scripture together. We start with uh, Nehemiah, who is now speaking to the king. And the king asked, well, how can I help you? With a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied, if it pleases the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild this city where my ancestors are buried. And please give me a letter addressed to Asaph, the manager of the king's forest, instructing him to give me timber. And I will need it to make beams for the gates of the temple fortress, for the city walls, and for a house for myself. And the king granted these requests because the gracious mm. hand of God was on me. And, and I love this. There's three things that we see here. And, and the first one that I want to point out is that this happens after Nehemiah has been praying for months. Yeah. If you look back at the very beginning of chapter 2, you see he comes and has this conversation with the king the following spring. So this isn't just something that he, um, you know, prays on for a night and then goes out and starts acting on. This is truly something that he lives with and, and uh, lives in prayer with God mm. on, um, which I think is is really important. Um, you know, there have been times in my life where I have felt like there is a need to have a conversation, whether it was a challenging conversation with someone or if it was I needed to make a big ask um, of someone. And I came to the God during those times and, and just asked that he would make the timing his, mm. that he would make it abundantly clear, that right. it wouldn't just be me rushing in and starting a conversation at an appropriate moment or that he would be laying the groundwork behind the scenes that I knew nothing about and that we, um, that the opportunity would arise that I would be able to then go and, and truly speak uh, what he wanted me to say. And, yeah. and that's kind of what Nehemiah did here. The king approached him. The king said, how can I help you? Yeah. You know, what's going on, dude? And, uh, and Nehemiah was ready. And this is the second thing um, that I love there is he says that he... Um, he sent up a prayer to the God in heaven, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's this discussion that we had earlier about the fact that we are continually to be talking to God. It's just part of our breathing in and breathing out, right? right. And so before he has this conversation, he is breathing out to God. He's saying, all right, Lord, your word's not mine. Um, and because he is able to approach this conversation and God has already been um, moving in the king's life and the king's heart, he sees that God is really in this. Yeah. And he sees that these barriers are falling down and things are falling into place. And he even says, um, you know, that he really sees God's hand upon this. And so this action that Nehemiah takes, this conversation he has with the king, it's not the first action Nehemiah has taken. During prayer, God has been working on him. He's not unprepared. Right. When the king says, how can I help? Nehemiah's not like, I don't know. Give me a couple minutes. I'll get back to you. He knows what he needs. Yeah, he has a list. He right? does. Mm -hmm. He has a whole list for, for the king. And the king, again, not only grants him what he asked for, but even more so, he sends a whole um, regiment of soldiers to go with him to do the rebuilding. And mm -hmm. so, again, we just see God so present and so active, um, you know, throughout all of Nehemiah's encounters with the king. Mm -hmm. The third thing that we see through Nehemiah's story is 
that everyone has their own responsibility. Right, so um, if you get into chapter three now in the book of Nehemiah, it really is a retelling of everything and everyone who was involved in the new in the rebuilding of this. Because and it took everybody. It, it was did. a large city. It took lots of people. It right? took mm-hmm. everybody. It was a part of this, and um, and we're going to pick up. There's one verse in particular that kind of sums it up. It's Nehemiah three twenty eight, um, and it says, "Above the horse gate, the priests repaired the wall. Each one repaired the section immediately across from his own house." That's it. Mm. Everybody repaired the section across from his own house. There were no bench warmers. There were no spectators. Everyone was called to be involved. And that is where we are now. Everyone is called to be involved. God has gifted us uniquely. He has empowered us with his spirit to go and make a difference right where we are. So maybe I can't stop world hunger, but I certainly certainly can show up on a Tuesday evening to help pack for the food pantry. Mm-hmm. And I can make a difference in the, in the lives of the people who will be receiving food. Or I can donate to the food pantry. There are things that God puts right in front of us. Mm-hmm. So the question becomes, what is that thing across from your own house? Yeah. You know, and we've been looking at it all summer through Hope Outside. Right. Yeah. It has been a summer of encouraging you to get outside and look at what is across the street from your house. So whether it is um, reaching out to our first responders or our teachers, whether it is serving... Um, Um, Urban Promise or writing letters to seniors, there have been ways that we are continually looking for what's right in front of us. Yeah, I really think when we're in the face of a global pandemic, in the face of, uh, of, of, of what do you do with something as large as systemic racism, is, is, <laughs> as we're praying, is to, as we're praying, to ask the question, you know, really, it's a great question, what can I do? What do I see across from my house? What's the thing that I can do that's across from my house? What is right there in front of me? You know, whether it's, the, like you said, whether it's the food pantry. And for some people here at Hope, it's been uh, connecting to Urban Promise, right? Or it's uh, others have seen uh, the need in Camden and they found ways to connect in ministries there. Uh, some of us, there's this, this feeling or this calling uh, that I can serve in local government and what difference could I make in my community? Or maybe it's even something as, what can I do in my neighborhood? What can I do uh, in my town? But it's really asking the question, what is that thing across from my house? And, and during our prayer time, to not only be praying about these problems, but to look at how can I be, be responsible enough to make a difference uh, in, in, in the place where I'm at right now. And uh, really, the story that just set so well uh, this idea for me was uh, a guy named Fennel Bruna. Uh, when we went to Haiti uh, with Hope, uh, in, uh, it was 2011. Uh, we went in response to the earthquake that happened in 2010. And when we went there, we went assuming we were going to do earthquake relief. And what we discovered when we got there is not only had Haiti been uh, uh, tormented by this earthquake that had devastated the, devastated the country, is that the earthquake only emphasized what was already decades of political and economic trauma. I mean, I mean the, the country was in ruins not just because of an earthquake. There were social setbacks and inequalities that the Haitian people had been suffering through for 
for many, many, many years. And as we looked at this and as we were there with our jaws dropped at the, the suffering that was taking place, we realized this is a macro problem. This is, this is huge. This is giant. And there were even some of us on the team that, that in our most honest moments, we were sitting together around a table and we were saying, what are we doing? Like, we're just providing a drop in a bucket to an, an enormous problem. And then I met Fennell. Uh, we met Fennell. Hope Church met Fennell. Uh, Fennell was a Haitian who grew up in the city of Jacmel. He loved Jesus. He prayed a lot. And while Fennell saw the problems in Haiti and saw the problem in Haiti, he also saw a, uh, saw a possibility because he was willing to take responsibility. And, you know, you can't make a difference until you take responsibility. So he saw the problem, he saw the possibility, and then he saw the opportunity. I remember in 2011, this, this young guy was talking about how he believed it was possible to change his country by starting with children. And raising up children in such a way that they would become strong Christian men and women who would, be, who would be equipped to lead and they would lead the country. And I thought, great idea, but how can you do that? How is that even possible? But sure enough, he took action one step at a time and he began to change because he asked the question, what's the thing that's right across from my house? And so the House of Abraham was formed and started it's a real small orphanage, 15 kids. That's it, 15 kids. And you could easily ask the question, does that make any difference? 15 kids in this country? Possibly. Is it life-changing? Certainly for those 15 kids, it's life-changing, most definitely. Can it change a country? I don't know, right? We, we just don't know. But is it possible? Can God work through something like that? Absolutely, God can. So it's really, uh, um, Fennell was willing to ask, and he believed that he could begin to change the country of Haiti just from doing something that was right there in front of him. And he took responsibility and he moved. Yeah, it's incredible things can happen when we are willing to take responsibility, when we are willing to ask God to use us and to show us what he has for us. And mm -hmm. so that really is what we want to encourage you to do this week. When you are spending time with God in prayer, we want to encourage you to be asking him, what is right across from my house? Mm -hmm. What is it you're calling me to where I can make a difference? Yeah, this really fits so well with, with who we are as United Methodists. Uh, John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, reminded the church that it's impossible to have personal holiness apart from social holiness. Really, what he was saying is that our faith is both personal and social. And we've talked about this last week. I mentioned, we've mentioned often the idea that we have vertical relationships and heart. We have vertical relationship with God, a horizontal relationship with humanity, that we have, uh, you know, we love God, we love people. Uh, Wesley would say that our holiness is personal and social. And, um, you know, and the story of Nehemiah and the rebuilding of the temple walls of Jerusalem began because this one person in a relationship with God, in prayer time with God, saw the problem as their problem. And in prayer, that responsibility, it led to confession and it led to restoration. And as we see these things in our life, uh, and as we see that the things happening in the world, as it breaks our heart, um, I pray that we would see 
our responsibility. Even as we look in our own lives and look at, you know, some of the problems we may be experiencing may seem enormous, and how can we handle these problems? But yet, if we take and look at what's the one thing I can do, what's the mm-hmm. one step I can take to resolve a larger problem? So we're in this prayer series, and we think it would be a great idea for us to end this time in prayer and just praying about the world, praying about what's going on in our world, and asking God to be part of this. And so we're going to offer three prayers together. Uh, uh, Heather and I are going to lead us through those prayers. The first is a prayer for a pandemic, and it's written by Dr. Cameron Wiggins, and I'll be praying that prayer. And then we'll pray a prayer for the pandemic of injustice, and that's written by Mother Teresa many years ago. And then finally, we'll be praying for the church. And uh, as we pray, I want to challenge us that we be led to the thing that might be across our from our house. What's that thing that is calling us to move and to take action? And in between each prayer as we pray, the band will be leading us in a chorus, declaring uh, the song we already sang, that God reigns over all that we are experiencing. Because just like Nehemiah, we're acknowledging that there is the gracious hand of God is on me. So let's, let's pray together. And so, dear Jesus, may we who are merely inconvenienced remember those whose lives are at stake. May we who have no risk factors remember that those most vulnerable. May we who have the luxury of working from home Remember those who must choose between preserving their health or making their rent. May we who have the flexibility to care for our children when our school schedules are disrupted, remember those who have no options. May we who have had to cancel our trips, remember those that have no place to go. May we who are losing our margin money in the tumult of the economic market remember those who have no margin at all. May we who have settled in for a quarantine at home remember those who have no home. And as fear continues to grip our country, let us choose love. During this time when we cannot physically wrap our arms around each other. God, let us yet find ways to be the loving embrace of God to our neighbors. God, you reign. God, you reign. Forever and ever. God, you reign. God, we pray for all those in our world who are suffering from injustice because of their race, color, or religion. For those imprisoned for working for the relief of oppression. For those who are hounded for speaking the inconvenient truth. For those who are tempted to violence as a cry against overwhelming hardship. For those deprived of reasonable health and education. For those suffering from hunger and famine. 
for those too weak to help themselves and who have no one else to help them. For the unemployed who cry out for work but do not find it. We pray for anyone of our acquaintance who is personally affected by injustice. Forgive us, Lord, if we unwittingly share in the conditions or in a system that perpetuates injustice. Show us how we can serve your children and make your love practical by washing their feet. God, you reign. God, you We thank you for the church worldwide, that we are part of your global church at this moment. Thank you for the opportunity to spread your love and hope to a world that's living in darkness and despair. God, we humble ourselves. We commit to turn away from wickedness and to call on your name. And we ask you to heal our world of every pandemic. Please heal our land and use us to meet the needs of others. We ask for your forgiveness for the times that we've chosen not to love the people you put right in front of us. And God, remind us how much you love this hurting world. God, we pray for this local body of your church, that we would walk in a manner worthy of the calling that you have given us. Grant us a strong bond of unity. Grant us patience for each other, bearing with one another in love. God, help us in every interaction with others to be humble with gentle hearts. And pray, God, we pray, God, that we may walk humbly with you. Amen. you